You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Hatmaker coming to you from the Command Sharia. And man, this is a fun one today. And I am saying so myself. Let's call this one Pirate Boarding Axe Tactics, a.k.a. Not Enough Room to Swing a Cat. Now, stay with me. This is a lot of fun. All right, my hearties, here we go. It's delicious Red Decked Mayhem. And this is also in support of Black Box Volume 33, which is actually called uh, Pirate Boarding Axe Tactics, the Melee Edition. Now, I'm going to offer all the su- historical support here. This isn't so much the how-to, is the background of what's going on. So whether you wield this thing or pony up for the product or not, I think you're going to be somewhat entertained and informed. First things first, we're discussing pirate endeavors more than privateer endeavors. There's a subtle but important distinction between sea raiders. Now, you're definition of pirate is likely the correct one, that of a ship of villains who have declared war upon all and see each sail in the offing as a potential prize ship for plunder, right? Whereas a privateer was a ship sailing under what was called a letter of mark. Yeah, uh, that's M-A-R-Q-U-E, letter of mark, not my name. Uh, that is a decree that would allow merchant ships to attack enemy ships in times of war. That would be as if, let's say, today the United States has declared war, let's say, against Norway. And each Carnival cruise ship, a Carnival is a British-American company, uh, under a letter of mark would be allowed to attack any Norwegian cruise line ship they come across. Now, the privateers of old would be prepared uh, for battle, whereas the Carnival cruise ship and Norwegian cruise line would not be. Privateer and pirate ships, though, they existed for one thing, and that was plunder, and they were prepared. Now, pirates plundered as they were thieves, and that was the only way to turn a profit. And privateers, well, that was essentially the same thing. You know, privateers operated under this uh, a purchase system. That is, if they went into battle, they would not receive combat pay from the crown for fighting. They were expected to plunder the attacked ship's resources and make what they obtained uh, their payment for doing so. Hence the phrase from that time, which is no purchase, no pay. Now, the lot of privateers was worse than the pirates, as the pirates owed no commission, whereas uh, from 1589 onward, the crown took 10% of the purchase, you know, pirates kept 100%. Now, by the way, if one has any privateer plans for the next cruise, privateering was abolished by the Treaty of Paris in 1856, so we're kind of out of luck there. Now, let's talk about the reality of plunder. Now, some might be thinking, uh, what does all this have to do with badass pirate privateer boarding axe tactics? Okay, now my strategic-minded ones already might be seeing the conundrum of sea rover uh, battle tactics. We often picture sea battles in exchange of cannon fire, as you might see in the wonderful film Master Commander or in the novels of of Patrick O'Brien or C.S. Forrester. But these were sea battles between warships, all right? The goal in these instances, uh, instances was victory over plunder. Plunder could be taken if boarded, but sinking and or crippling vessels of war was the foremost goal. Now, to pirates and privateers, a ship at the bottom of the sea means zero return on investment. Okay, you're probably starting to get the picture now. Battle tactics must be altered to address minimizing damaging fire to the attacked vessel so that she could stay rails above wave long enough to take all worth taking, oftentimes the ship itself. Now, unlike pirate movies where maximum damage is being delivered with the cannons before boarding, the reality was to minimize damage so that anything worth salvaging was taken. Seamanship and battle tactics weighed heavily on the piratical mine. Boarding and 
man-to-man melee with minimal damage to hull, mass, sails, and rigging was the watchword. Firing grape shot and canister and cannonade willy-nilly was the way of warships, not of the pirate. That's just all movie stuff. Now, perhaps another day we'll delve into the brilliant maneuvering to minimize exchange fire. It's, it's fascinating to this sailor here, but for today, boarding is the watchword. And again, when we think of uh, pirate hand-to-hand stuff, we usually think cutlass battle, right? Clang, clang, clang. Now, when one pictures the hand-to-hand fighting, literally a sailing term, sailors being hands, hand-to-hand meaning man-to-man, not empty-handed as it's been perverted to today, when we picture such deck-bound melees, we have been helped by cinema to envision scores of men with cutlass in hand. Yes, the cutlass was in play. But so is a vast variety of weaponry. As to that variety, again, another day. Uh, Here we're focusing on that uh, boarding axe. But a weapon that held high utility was the boarding axe, which is essentially identical to your standard hatchet. Some featured the short haft, as one finds in today's camp axe. Uh, Others could be more along the extended handle, as one finds in most forms of tomahawk. Now, if you go on to actually pick up and purchase that product, you can uh, give you tactics for both short haft and long haft, and uh, make sure something you have to have around. I have to buy anything special. Usually what you have on hand is what you have on hand and a uh, note for everyone i keep a couple of axes almost everywhere i've got them in the back of my truck i've got them everyone for utility and use and if a work push comes to shove or maybe i see a norwegian cruise ship on the horizon right all right anyway let's notice the uh, terminology an axe is an axe it is not a boarding axe until it's designated for use in boarding that's a no-brainer there but often it's overlooked uh, in that single word boarding because boarding changes the temper of how this tool is uh, wielded See, a boarding axe was a multiple-use tool. Before we move to the boarding axe as a weapon, let us look to it for its singular utility in the midst of ship and purchase prize-preserving battle. To board a vessel, one must be close enough to move from one pitching, heaving deck in the open sea to another. Now, this is no easy prospect, all the more so once a deck becomes red-decked, that is blood-slicked, a common enough footing hazard that buckets of sand were regularly kept at the ready during cannonade to spread over gushing gore to aid surviving hands keeping one's feet. Now, during boarding, the beard of the axe would be used to hook rails to provide sure purchase for that precarious step over to the other side. Now, pirate boarding axes were often made with a blade side and a pole side, which is the uh, hammer side. As you've seen, if you've taken a, uh, consumed our battle axe material there, you know we're talking about the hammer. It's never used in actual uh, a, a battle axe, but it was used for the uh, a pirate's boarding axe. All right? Now, the blade was used to cut non-essential rigging to disable the ship without bringing in entire acres of canvas, tons of spar and boom down on top of one's skull. Needless to say, it takes an experienced seaman to know what is and is not essential on vessels where hundreds of miles of line, that is rope, could be found doing their mysterious magic of leverage. The pole side, the so-called hammer side, was used to break down doors and bulkheads during the boarding melee, and the blade of the axe could also be used to chisel out hot cannonballs, which were embedded in timber so that the ball could be pitched overboard and prevent starting a fire. Now, fire board ship huge hazard uh, cannonballs coming out there hot as can be and we're talking red hot got to get rid of them immediately to preserve that ship here's another use the bible uh i'm saying bible in scare quotes there let's look at one more perhaps unexpected non-weaponized use of the pirate boarding axe each new crew member to be accepted into the brotherhood that is the ways of piracy would be asked to swear to that ship's particular articles of conduct Instead of a Bible, as on a ship of state, the prospective pirate places his hand upon a boarding axe and swear to the ways of the uh, sea dog. I mean, hell, it don't get any more cinematic or dramatic or romantic than that, does it? Let's talk about another word, melee, M-E-L-E-E. 
a melee, by strict definition, is a confused fight, and that uh, is apt. Confused is the correct word. It's confused itself. It means not only to befuddle, but to fuse elements generally not meant to be fused together. This reflects the tight quarters of piratical boarding mayhem. Uh, here's another uh, nautical phrase, not enough room to swing a cat. This uh, sailor's phrase refers to how tight the quarters are in a hand-to-hand melee. The cat in the melee refers to a cat of nine tails, which is a length of uh, hemp cordage crafted in braid or macrame ending in nine tails with knotted ends. All right? Now, during shipboard punishments, uh, these would be used to flog or whip the punished one. It was cruel vicious, and often led to exposed bone and death of the receiver. If uh, to add to insult to injury, often the uh, sailor was being punished. They were asked to uh, braid and make their own cat for what they're going to be struck with. And if it was done you know, too, uh, too light, it was sent back. Now, these were also used as weapons, and there's a whole ton of material on this for its curious uh, uh, trajectories of this thing. And again, another day. Now, to say of a deck battle there was not enough room to swing a cat means exactly that, no room to swing the referred to punishment tool and no room for the use of the boarding axe as a weapon in the usual swinging, chopping sense of the word. Different tactics must be adapted. Now let's talk historical accuracy versus cinema assumptions. Melees in real battle did not and do not permit the John Wickian dueling we have come to expect. Zumbrata, flow chains, tit for tat did not exist in the wild. It actually doesn't exist in the wild. Although not a pirate source, let us look to a description of the melee at Tannenberg in 1410 to get at the true flavor of a melee. This is uh, Jan Jlogs, and I'm probably butchering the, the name there, it's Polish, uh, writing, who was present at this particular melee in 1410. Quote, breaking spears and armor hitting against each other produced such a great clatter and bang and the clang of swords resounded so loudly as if some huge rock had collapsed that even those who were several miles away could hear it. Then night attacked night, armor crushed under the pressure of armor and swords hit faces. And when the ranks closed, it was impossible to tell the coward from the brave, the bold from the slow because all of them were pressed together as if in some tank unquote. All right, now that, my friends, is a melee. That's how it was. There's reference after reference, whether we're looking from the, the 14th century up through the, the pirate battle, things were tight. Let us keep in mind, this melee was on dry land, the one we just discussed there. Now picture a pitching, rolling deck on high seas, and let us add miles of rigging and anchors, acres of canvas and booms and spars to be preserved and maneuvered around. Let us add red decks, rolling cannonballs, loose from the pyramided brass monkeys. Then, then we are getting closer to why what we assume about boarding axes, tomahawks, and battle axes may be wide of the mark. The ingenious truth of the matter is a far more value for the serious warrior. Now, uh, that kind of ends the historical aspect of this. To move from the academic to the actual axe in hand tactics of these rovers of the deep, Blue, well, I would suggest you have a look at Black Box Volume 33, Pirate Boarding Axe Tactics, the Melee Edition. And uh, obviously, I will link it in the show notes if you want to pick it up or take a look at it and say, hey, I might want to do that. Actually, I've got an axe at home, a hatchet at home, a tomahawk at home, and I want to get to work on these with more things and more than just a mere chop and swinging. And again, if anything else there, I mean, all this stuff historically accurate, viciously verified, uh, using the old school combat tactics and conditioning. None of this is based on assumption or movies. 
Uh, by all means, uh, if you want more information, have a look at the uh, ExtremeSelfProtection.com or Black Boss Combat and Conditioning Training Warehouse or have things put in your ears in this podcast. Like, support, share. Man, that's always a helpful thing to me. And if you want talking about thousands of pages of more such uh, musings of this, you know, give a listen to the podcast. You can take a look at our, our blog, the, uh, the Indigenous Ability blog, where we talk about such matters. Uh, thanks for putting your ears on this crew. I really appreciate it. Take care of yourselves. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, ExtremeSelfProtection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages if you like musics.